0: Welcome to the Dance Center podcast. I am your host, Claire French, and I'm joining you from the traditional unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples, also known as Vancouver, Canada. I'll be talking to dancers, choreographers, and other members of the dance world here on the West Coast to find out more about their creative work and practices, and to discuss what it means to us to be dance professionals today. Thanks for joining us delighted to be joined by Tomoyo Yamada, who is an interdisciplinary artist focusing on performance art and choreography. Born in Japan and educated in the United States, she spent most of her life traveling between North America and Japan negotiating distinct cultural identities. Her practice is influenced by her ongoing research into identity politics and her self-reflexive interrogation of transnational cultural differences. Her primary training is in contemporary and modern dance, and she completed her MFA degree at Simon Fraser University's School for the Contemporary Arts. Tomoyo has been presenting work in various festivals such as Dance Cafe, International Dance Day at the Dance Center, Open Stage, Dancing on the Edge Festival, Vines Arts Festival, and Reverb Dance Festival. We will be talking about all of those things together, all of the projects that she's involved in and all of the interdisciplinary collaborative works um, that Tomoyo uh, is involved in. I also did my MFA at SFU a long, long time ago in 1997. (laughs) And so we have that in common, which is really great. And maybe even a reason for us being in Vancouver perhaps, but we will find out. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Tomoyo and her voice and ask her the question, When, how, and why did you start to dance?
1: Yes. First of all, thank you so much for inviting me to your podcast. Pleasure. Yes. I actually started dance when I was three. And it wasn't really because I wanted to dance. It was because my mother knew that our family was going to be relocating to the States from Japan. And I I did not have any English skills. The only language I spoke was Japanese. And um, being so little, my parents were worried that I wouldn't be able to communicate with any of the kids in the States. And they wanted me to have some sort of communication tool other than language to be able to connect with people in the States. And that's why my parents enrolled me into a ballet class, because they knew that ballet classes didn't really require a lot of verbal communication.
0: Wow. Wow. I feel like this is a drop the mic moment right there. <laughs> I feel like you're just like, okay, and we're done. <laughs> no, that's absolutely, that's just wonderful. I have, I have goosebumps. Yeah. Okay, please continue yeah. to that epic introduction. <laughs> yes. And so that's how
1: I got introduced into dance. And I think I moved to the States when I was like three and a half, just before four years old. And really dance has been like a tool for communication for me since then. I never felt like I lacked any verbal communication skills in the States because I had dance and I had my dance friends around me all the time. Mm -hmm. And also, well, this is my mom's story. My dad says that he enrolled me into dance because he thought I needed to move a little bit more as a toddler because I just loved sleeping and eating (laughs) and um, reading books then he was a little worried that I was not developing the social skills. Ah. So that's my dad's side of the story, but I like to think that my mom's side of the story is has a little bit more meaning to why I started dance.
0: Well, I don't think, you know, and and when you're so young, I think just having this having the support and that attention, you know, and reasoning behind it is is just really wonderful because already there's a sense of you know, it's a, a, there's such authentic reasons to, you know, be a child development, you know, mm-hmm. to be, to be in your holistic child development. So I think that's, yeah, that's, that's a big thing. We know, we know that as dancers. Yes. Yes. Uh, but to think that it's a natural thing that all children have mm-hmm. is, if this is a really good perspective that maybe not, maybe it's not just a given that all children innately have this skill it has to be something that's developed. And so that attention that your parents had on that is is really quite quite wonderful. Um, I want to just draw on what you said about um, then having all of your friends around you, your dance friends, um, mm-hmm. when you did move to the States. Could you talk a, bit, a little bit about that? You must have danced quite a lot for you to feel like. Did you go to the States and go to a dance school? Like, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. So we moved to
1: Ohio, which is quite different from Japan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's also quite different from Vancouver. But I went to a school called um, Patty Pilly's School of Dance. And initially, I started with just ballet, but I was really interested in tap dance, which is not really taught a lot in Japan. Mm. And so tap dance, jazz, and hip hop were the few kind of dance techniques that I started learning. And that led me into being a part of the... Like the competition team, the competitive Mm -hmm. dance team. But I was still quite little. I only lived in the States until I was like 11, 10, 11. So yeah, I I was in the competitive team until then. And that was where I made most of my friends. We were dancing, I would say at least like four or five days a week as like a 10 year old,
0: which I think is a lot. Yeah, (laughs) that was me too. Yeah. I did the competition uh, the festival circuit it was more you know dance festival circuit uh, from a very young age up until um about you know 14 15 and then went to stage school in London so yeah it's it's a very interesting um, time I could you could you explain what you um what you feel or maybe what you felt like the maybe the main differences are between it's a big question like a you know an unanswerable question in a way but just that when you said that there was such a difference between Japan and then Ohio or where you were in Japan and then Ohio and then Vancouver, I'm interested in your perspective on that because of your interest in like dance and environment and landscape and, mm-hmm. and maybe some of your film work too. But do you have, could you kind of sum up what you think those differences are? Yeah. Um, and
1: this is really my own personal. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Of course. Yeah. Perfe- perspective yeah. on
1: it. Yeah. But I think, Dancing in Japan, for me, I felt like it was a little bit more disciplined in a way that everybody kind of followed what like the teacher was doing or, I don't know, I, I personally, I when I'm dancing in Japan or when I used to dance in Japan, I felt like I needed to do the, like the right, right thing.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> and in a way, in a way. And I think that also really stems into what's, Expected culturally as well, but mm. in Japan, I think it's more the culture is more um, collective based. So everybody's like together as a group, and within your group, you kind of want to um, have like share similar ideas and values, and you don't really want to kind of stir up the pot.
0: Oh, I see. Yeah,
1: that that's just my personal intake on it, and yeah. that's a, it's a beautiful culture on its own. I think Ohio was like the complete opposite of it. It was you do you be unique. (laughs) Don't follow everybody else, but follow your passion and what you believe in. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I did miss that like disciplinary part where I felt like sometimes it's chaotic. And I I also didn't know what I was doing as a dancer and relocating to Vancouver. I, I feel like it's a combination of both. Nice. Just because I think geographically, Vancouver is very close to, I mean, we still have the big ocean between us, but it's <laughs> closer to the Asia's and I think it's like a more like mixed culture yeah. city. So that's really why I like Vancouver. I feel like I have my feet in both cultures
0: mm-hmm, and I don't
1: feel foreign in either of them. Mm-hmm. I think that's beautiful. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest reasons why um, I chose to be in Vancouver.
0: Great. And I think that, um, you know, that idea of the, the one way or the one body, maybe in the, you know, there's one technique or there's a kind of, uh, you, you're all learning a particular technique and then um, you're all accessing kind of a, a information that is not necessarily coming from the person, a person's relationship to that other thing I feel mm-hmm. is as maybe sometimes how we look at certain dance techniques and then others definitely are more somatic mm-hmm. and come from the each person individually so I think that's a it's nice to have both and, yes, and to be yes, in cultures absolutely. where both are respected and appreciated I think that's great so when did you know or when did you decide that dance was your professional calling because it sounds like you could have gone in many directions like as a child like you're reading and you're you know being interested in you know being busy alone you know even as a child or still even (laughs) maybe that's where your media stuff comes into your interest in dance and media combined but particularly dance did you just do you feel like it was just organic an organic development or did you make a decision to follow it i think it was organic yeah so in junior high
1: school and high school i was in japan and I think it's harder to pursue a dance career in Japan than it is to pursue it here. It's just also my my also personal opinion. Yeah. But because of that, I never really thought I was going to keep dancing in Japan. In high school, I actually went to a high school that had a very strong modern dance competitive team where mm-hmm. we were in the nationals and we've always been trying to get like the number 1 award, which is the equivalent to first place in the nationals mm-hmm. so in high school I think I was dancing for like at least I would say like five hours before and after school on weekdays and then on weekends it was like all day and yeah. <laughs> I I specifically remember we only had like five days of summer break oh. and every every other day it was just practice 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 but mm. even being that deep into dance I feel like Not too many people actually went to pursue a professional dance career just because how things are structured in Japan. Mm -hmm. But I did go to university to do dance. And that's where I met my mentor. Her name is Naoko Murakoshi. Ah. And she used to be a dancer at Toronto Dance Theater in Mm -hmm. Toronto. Mm -hmm. And she, after dancing for a couple of years, she was on faculty at York University So she was kind of the person who was like, hey, Tomoyo, I know you're not really interested in pursuing dance as a career, but she was like, I think you have potential. Why don't you further it just a little
0: bit more and see what happens? You just mentioned, um, and for the listeners, I think this might be an important moment because you're that lady who was your mentor, could you say her name again? for Yes, me? her name is Naoko Murakoshi. So Naoko actually noticed the potential in you, but you say you, she didn't think that you wanted to pursue dance full time. And this leads back to, don't you have a degree also in health science? Or...
1: Yes, so yeah. that's in Japan, in some universities, dance is under like arts. And in yeah. some universities, it's actually under physical education. hmm and the university I went to dance was under physical education, so that's why I have this science health great. degree. Oh right. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yes. Great. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. yeah. That's wonderful. Okay. So this was in Japan then. This was you, in Japan. Uh, yeah. Great. Yes. So, yeah. And continue your story if you. Yeah.
1: Will. Initially, um, when she told me to pursue it, I was like, eh, I think I'm just going to get a job in Japan. I was, I really thought I was going to be a translator or something to kind of mm-hmm. use my language abilities. But okay. she was like, no, 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 just, just do it for like a year at least, see what happens. And so for me, it was kind of that push that she gave me. Mm-hmm. And her friend from TDT was also doing the MFA studies at SFU back then. Mm-hmm. And so Naoko knew about the program and she knew that I was also interested in not just dance, but like theater and musical theater. Mm-hmm. So because of the nature of the multidisciplinary approach at SFU, Naoko was like, just yeah. try, just go. Excellent. So, <laughs> so good. really it was, I feel like it was the people around me who kind of pushed and supported me into going into this direction. And I can't really thank them enough for doing that because otherwise I don't know where I I would be now.
0: Mm -hmm. But well, that's good because now we get to thank them too. So that's great. (laughs) Yeah, really, really lovely. So key events then in your life and work, I suppose changing you know kind of where you're living um you know like moving countries is a big thing and the people that you've mentioned so far playing such a, a role in your life like guiding you would you say are there other highlights like would you say that the mfa was a highlight or is it find it because i found on the mfa that while it was wonderful for me and i moved to vancouver for it and i really enjoyed it the biggest thing for me is that i made seriously lifelong friends Mm. Um, who uh, you know? Twenty five years later, or something like that. Maybe not that long. <laughs> I'll give myself a break. But uh, a long time. Uh, it it it's definitely. We've all moved off to different places. We all came here and mm-hmm. met here, and then most have gone off. And I sometimes go off and come back. And and we're still very very much um, a group. Uh, so the people I collaborated with at that time really were impactful on my life and choices following that. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was kind of meant to be like serendipitous, you know, thing that we all arrived in Vancouver at the same time. I know you've met your, some of your collaborators through that program as well. So mm-hmm. maybe you'd like to talk a little bit about some of those collaborations and maybe even your MFA graduating project or something, just to give us a little bit of background on your work.
1: Yeah, of course. I, I really connected well with my MFA colleagues. Mm-hmm. I think I think the biggest part was because most people came from outside of Canada. Our cohort was outside of Canada. And so everybody brought their own unique perspectives of art. And of course, everybody's, everybody pursues different disciplines. So not only that, but there was another cultural aspect where I feel like it's really rare to um, be able to collaborate with artists from all around the world. Mm-hmm. And before that, I always felt like I was the odd one out everywhere Like being in Japan, I didn't fully, I felt like I wasn't fully identifying with the people in Japan just because of my upbringing in the States and obviously in the States, although people were very um, generous and open into like um, accepting me, I always felt like, well, I'm not American, I'm Japanese and I felt like the MFA space was like the first place where it was okay to be myself because everybody else also came from different walks of life and we all accepted that. So that mm-hmm. was, I think, my biggest eye-opening thing for me in the MFA program. Great. And in the MFA program, I think I really like using gestures in my movement. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was able to talk about like different types of gestures from around the world. I think my closest friend, she was from China and her name is Xinwei Liu. Right now, she's actually in the UK. She's doing her PhD. Great. So she's not in Canada anymore. But I think we shared, we talked a lot about differences in China and Japan, and similarities that stem from
0: our culture. So yeah, when you started to create work, your MFA project, I think you also then recreated outside of your MFA project, did you not As a as a presentation, um, yeah, public I think presentation we, yeah we went to
1: I think like we shared it in maybe two different not venues but like festivals
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the MFA project I think I was interested in language and gesture and how language changed how people
0: execute like <laughs> still movement can I just say to, I wish the listeners could actually see you right now because I'm so I'm just going to suggest that as you listen to Toyo for the next section, just move your hands a little bit and just just circle your fingertips and your wrists and just rotate them. <laughs> Palms facing each other, fingers um, individually wiggling, and then just rotate your wrists as you do it. And then um, it, then that will help as as do that as she's talking. Okay, <laughs> off you go. <laughs> yeah. And I guess right
1: now I'm I, I still have that that research question hasn't really like left me. I also realized that I use different types of gestures when I speak different languages. And that's, I think, my um, biggest interest currently on how Great. language influence your body movements and Great. rhythm and tempo as well. I feel like when I'm speaking in Japanese, my movements are a little bit more slower and um, like more flowy versus English. It's a little bit more like fast and punctuated.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe or like um short interesting isn't it the kind of emphatic gesture that's what happens when we you know when we gesture when we speak we're kind of trying to support the speech but when we try to do it when you try to do those gestures and and you're not in a conversation I find it quite difficult it is it is yeah yeah. it's it they just kind of seem to be in the air like (laughs) they don't have the so I, I love that as a research area and as a kind of you know something that is behind your work in general, I think is a lovely way to kind of go through as an artist, you know, like whatever the research question you have, these other things that you are exploring individually on all levels. So I would like to talk a little bit about the project that you did during COVID and the film, uh, the film project actually in the house um, which is on your website. Yeah, yes, <laughs> uh, You do have a link to it on your website. So people can see that at tomoyoamada.com. Is that correct? Yes. Website? Yes. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about that project?
1: Yeah, this project, it it was more of like an experiment rather than a project, but hmm. it was just a response to COVID where all of a sudden everybody was just stuck in their house and we couldn't do anything. And so I wanted to make a piece about that, but I didn't know really how to approach it. Also, because we still had like isolation rules where we can't really be in the same like space. Mm-hmm. And so we were like, okay. social distance. Yeah. So we were like, how are we supposed to make a, how are, how do we create while we still have to social distance? And my MFA project, we had to like spread really apart. Everybody was at least like five meters away from each other. And it was so hard to create. Because mm-hmm. it's not just that, but if somebody used a specific part of the Marley floor, mm-hmm. nobody else could use that section. Mm-hmm. And yes, of course, like be- it's because of COVID, but as a choreographer, I found that really hard. And we were looking at okay, how can we safely create work without having to distance like five, 10 meters apart? And so we were like, why don't we just like put everybody in their own small boxes? And then if they wear a mask and if they only touch their box, we were like, is this a little bit safer than having creating a normal work? So that's where the box idea came from. And then we just Mm -hmm. kind of changed it into um, a house looking structure.
0: So it's like a doll's house with dolls that are too big inside them. Mm-hmm. outside on a beach with yes. the whole environment behind so um all of those layers become really quite playful and also such a comment on you know being outdoors but still the social distance and then being too big for the space that you're in and <laughs> all of those things and and then also there's the kind of ricketiness of the house itself that was built that was just like I thought I thought that was just so wonderful like playful and just, you know, kind of, and and imaginative. So that's, that was kind of exciting. Um, Did did you feel like it was quite serious to make because of all of the (laughs) protocols? No, no, no. Good. Okay.
1: (laughs) This one, this one, um, the the film, it was just like, let's just have fun and play and see what we can do.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Also, I think we spent most of our grant building that house. So we didn't have a lot of time either. And so it was just like trying to figure out what we can do. And hopefully we thought we hoped that it would like become a seed for some other project in the future, which Mm -hmm. it did. That's what we're developing with the dance lab at the dance center. Great. Yeah. So now it's become like an interdisciplinary work where we are trying to um, project some images onto these boxes and it's still kind of, the theme is still kind of the same. It's we call it the home project, but it's a work in title. And basically, it's the research question. The big, the big broad research question is what is a home? And mm. people have different perspectives on what a home is. Some people think it's like the people. Some people think it's the like the safety or the location. For me, it's sound and language within the home, not not visual, but um, what I hear and what I say inside my home makes it feel like my personal space Mm. so and other collaborators come in with different ideas of what a
0: home is do you ever feel like the studio itself is a bit of a home sometimes in a way yeah in a way as as dancers I feel that I sometimes I have certain spaces where I go or even on stage which I, I don't Do very often now, but I mean, life just feels like one big performance sometimes. But, but on you know, performing on stage always felt like home for me. Yeah, which was kind of a nice realization at one point in my life. (laughs) So, I wonder if there's um, are you building it in the theater? Are you building it in a studio, or how is that working?
1: Yes, right now we're building it in a studio, and we will have a showing of that in the dance center
0: space. At the end of March. End of March. Yeah. Great. Yes. Excellent. Okay. Yeah, look forward to that. And it will be quite different than creating it or having it, have, experiencing it indoors, I, w- I would think.
1: Yes. Yes. We also do have a film component of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Oh, of the, yeah, right. Oh, not the previous one, actually the one that we're building right now. Okay. We're going to yeah. have an in-person showing and then also yeah. a film aspect of it.
0: Oh, Great. But
1: yes, yeah, so it feels very different. It's also much more longer and we have way more time to kind of develop and structure everything.
0: So, yeah. I suppose yeah. kind of introduce the ideas and kind of, yeah, un- unravel them and the this, this stories, so to speak, not mm-hmm. that not necessarily that it's fiction like that, but so the media work that you do, is it mainly in collaboration or do you create your own, do you create the films do you work with collaborators it's
1: I I work with collaborators yeah I I would love to do my own like film and edit on my own but I feel like I don't have the technical skills nor like the artistic skills yet to do it myself
0: yeah and I think that it takes a lot a lot uh, A lot I think it's a really it's a shift of mindset and to trust that Mm -hmm. and then to find a way for yeah it's it's just it feels for me it feels a bit stuttery right now (laughs) in my in my learning and developing those skills but but I think it's fabulous and it's nice to have an eye for it or to you know to kind of have that juxtaposition of that media and landscape and then the expert like you say the gestures and the emphatic behavior and all of that inside it I think that's really great so you're working on that project. Are you working on, do you have other things? Like I, I noticed that you also are represented by a talent agency. And I wondered if um, you do some commercial work or if if that's something that is just kind of in the background for you or would you, and a couple of other things, you also work with the, is it Clala dance project? Am I saying yes, that right? Yes, yes. So there's this project that you're doing for the dance lab, but I feel like um, with your representation, and then that project. I wonder if there's something you'd like to talk about in either of those two.
1: Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I can actually talk about both. Great. I think as a kid, I've been doing musical theater, and I've always been interested in the theater. Um, after graduating from my university in Japan, I sometimes performed in musical theater and, like, operettas. Mm-hmm. And also, I was an assistant for a as I was an assistant choreographer for a play, for a theater play. So that's where kind of my interdisciplinary interests came from. Mm. And Do you sing? I I sing as like an ensemble. I can never sing as like a solo. I, I've only been yeah. trained to... I entered musical theater with my dance background. So if it yeah. was like a big ensemble piece, then I would I would be asked to sing. But I can never belt out like a um, like a big solo piece. I don't have the vocal ability to do that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But I've always been interested in the film industry. And I was actually... Last year, I was not doing dance at all. I was a part of a show that was being filmed here. And mm-hmm. I was a... I started as a background performer and then got booted up, not to a cast, but like somewhere in between background and
0: it's like a special, special a special um,
1: thing. And I was also a translator on set. So if I was not, if I was not called in as like that background performer, I was on set translating for the cast and the crew. But that's that's the reason why because of that role that I had, I was really fortunate to get a an agent and now I've started auditioning for like other works as well.
0: Oh, that's so great. Yes. Yeah. So it, you, it, that was that's really kind of like that's a, a very special way of entering into getting an agent an agency. I mean, like there's another tip from Tamiyo. Yeah,
1: and like really, I think the big keyword for myself is just connection. Mm. Because the reason why I got the agency was I also work at a place called Arts Umbrella. Yeah,
0: we will all know Arts Umbrella. Yes,
1: yes, Arts Umbrella, and I work in both dance and theater uh departments and so the reason why I was able to get an agency was um I connected with one of the theater faculty and Mm. she just reached out to her own agent and was like Mm. here's a friend of mine do you are you willing to take her yeah yeah nice that's lovely Mm. I think performance
0: art is really all about connection with the people you have yeah the networks and the integrity of the connections that you make i think is really yeah is really key mm-hmm. yeah I think that's wonderful okay so could you talk a little bit about Klala yeah dance yeah of course Klala dance project i actually
1: founded it in japan with a friend of mine mm. her name is chihiro Nukuto. and she also graduated from the tdt school of dance and we collaborated together. We had a performance in New York at the Reverb Dance Festival as Kloala. But then following my relocation, we kind of stopped working together. And then here in Vancouver, I was able to collaborate with another dance artist, Charlotte Telferwan, and um Anna Daria Vieru. Mm-hmm. They were my like key um, collaborators with as Klaala, not collaborators. I think we run rerun the the collective together
0: yeah you're like co-directors really aren't you yes yeah, yes yeah. and just recently
1: we were also able to invite another person in. he's his name is Sam Mason and he he's been uh creating most of our film work he's he's a yeah. filmmaker oh great so yeah we worked collectively and we're also a project-based collective so the four of us will mostly be working together but We reach out to other artists to collaborate for different projects. So we also get to experience working with other people as well.
0: Yeah, that's great. In the film as well, um, Mm -hmm. you have performers that you've brought in for that project. And, you know, that's the way I work with... uh you know, Restless Productions that I run were project-based too. And it's a wonderful way of kind of working with different people and also building building up your kind of artistic relationships. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. In New York, your performance was in, it was 2016, wasn't it? It was quite a while ago now. It was
1: 2016. I think we also did it in 2014. We went there twice. Mm. One, the first time we went was through Naoko's Connection. <laughs> and it was a bigger piece that we brought. It was based on um, my, my imagination of what the world of world after death looks like from like mm-hmm. a Buddhism perspective.
0: Yeah.
1: And then the second time it was with a hero with Kuala. And I think that was the first time I ever interacted with artists from outside of Japan since my, like as an adult
0: yeah, and as an artist, yes. as opposed to a dance, yeah, in yes. tra- dancer in training or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and
1: right. yeah, I think that's where I kind of saw everybody working professionally as an artist, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, this is a new world that I never really thought I'd, I'd be in. But I, at that point, I still didn't know if I wanted to pursue my career as a dancer. Yeah, but I think it was just like watching everybody do what they're doing, kind of. I guess like unconsciously planted ideas in my head and and then ultimately it was like that push and support from other people that yeah helped me get into this direction.
0: Yeah. I feel like this is another moment where the gestures Yes. your gestures of like almost like embroidering if you can imagine just kind of embroidering the space around her and then pushing it along (laughs) which is really yeah yeah it's really beautiful it really helps okay that's wonderful so how long have you been in Vancouver then I
1: think this this September I think I'm in my sixth year now living
0: in Vancouver oh that's great and you intend to stay I hope so yes I hope so yeah, great. Yeah, it seems like you, you're you kind of nice and busy and productive with them. Do you teach at Arts Umbrella then? So do you have a kind of very rounded kind of career that way, like teaching, creating? Do you perform for other people, like those kinds of things? Would you like to talk a little bit about how that, like, not necessarily what a day looks like, but what a year might look like for you, like all of the different things that you do?
1: Yeah, I feel like um, in terms of career-wise, half of my career I teach. And I teach smaller kids.
0: Young, what ages?
1: Uh, I think the youngest is age five. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's like creative dance classes. And it just mm-hmm. brings me back to the foundation of dance and
0: why we even start dancing in the first place. Mm-hmm. You have such a wonderful story with that as well, right? Yeah. You know Your parents instilled in you the <laughs> kind of like, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I guess I see like a little... Part of myself and all these little kids, and mm-hmm. it's just they just have so much potential, and it's mm-hmm. really beautiful.
0: Yeah, I think that's lovely. So the, the so to the, the teaching at Arts yes, Umbrella, the and teaching. then obviously this, yeah. And
1: then I think the other half is mostly doing my own project. Yeah, I I haven't really been dancing in other people's works. I've been uh, dramaturging for a couple of artists, oh, Japanese nice. Canadian artists' works, and I'm mm-hmm. really thankful and happy to be a part of the Japanese Canadian community here and for trusting me to be like a dramaturg for their works. But mm-hmm. I think it's mostly teaching and doing my own projects is what I'm doing right now.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. That's really lovely. And you dance in your own works, do you? Um, not
1: recently. I haven't been. No. S- I, I used to do that when I was mm-hmm. like in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. And I, I find it really, really hard to choreograph and
0: dance in your own work and I found this same thing because I moved from um dancing to choreographing solely choreographing I mean I still dance in rehearsals and still you know, dance things out if you like mm-hmm. and I still dance a lot but and teach but I am um, I found that I I was really pulled to choreography and to that and to thinking about dance and being with dance from that perspective and that's um I'm I'm very happy and Uh, and kind of grateful for that in my life and I think there is something quite I'm glad to have let go of the performing side Mm -hmm. in a way but I don't think about it very often and maybe you don't either like (laughs) I just realize I'm not I just realize I'm not in it or I'm not you know performing it and it just feels better for me to be kind of not really on the other side but with the work in that in that other way Mm -hmm. you know I don't feel like it's one side or the other anymore but I feel like being with the I can be with the work more as a choreographer.
1: Yeah, I, I, I feel it. something really similar to also when I include myself in the work, it's really hard to see everything from the outside. It's really hard to remove yourself in the work and then see everything,
0: how everything balances out. Yeah. So and, and then and also the, the sense of the work is then you understand the work. I think you understand the work in a different way.
1: Mm -hmm. If it's
0: through there, you know, so, so that's useful. It's extremely useful. And that insight is, is really valuable. But I think there's something about, like you say, that not, not just balance, but the, the sense of the whole Mm -hmm. that I have questions about all the time. And I can only ask those questions if I'm from that, on on that side, you know, like, from that perspective. So yeah, we have that in common. So what's coming up for you? Um, we have this showing in March. Yes, um, we have the showing in March and then
1: I I think in 2023 we're gonna start developing a new project. It's not necessarily new, it's based on a poem that a performative poem that I've been working on for like the past two, three years. It's my experience meeting a a, vet, a US veteran. And um, coming from a military family from Japan, mm. I had this very, like, I had this very intense hug with this uh, veteran. I think that was like five years ago. And ever since, I've been wanting to kind of dive deeper into what happened between Japan and the states and what people still carry and how like intergenerational trauma carries through different bodies that's kind of my main interest now I think for our next upcoming project but it's such a this project I've been thinking about it for like five years and it's such a like an emotionally heavy heavy topic yeah and so I've been hesitating to um, fully take on the creation of this work
0: but I think I think I'm ready now Mm, I I would like to just kind of support you in that decision to be, to feel ready to go and, uh, you know, address the intensity of it. But partly because of something you say in describing it when you're, you know, in your kind of concern in your research for that. And, And you say that the aim of the project is to examine the potency of witness and the collective healing realized through the shared intimacy of an interdisciplinary dance performance. And I think there's something just really genuinely beautiful about that the potency of witnessing and putting yourself in that position. I mean, we, as choreographers, sometimes that can be, that's an incredible experience, right? Of witnessing your dancers or witnessing a moment. You can only experience the potency as a witness, Mm -hmm. you know, there's that element. And then there's the, that idea of being in this shared intimate environment that doesn't always feel rigorous and intense because there's a joy that's inside it that actually by being in it, there's a joy inside it that is actually the, the the strongest part. So the shared intimacy then from the witness seems intense. But when you're in it, feels joyous, you know, so there's something about those two things. One of the things that I'm saying, please, you know, start this work and, and kind of pursue this is that you say, it will create an opportunity for people to think about these topics. And I think, you know, as artists, we, we forget sometimes that, we can do that. We can help people think about these things mm-hmm. in a different way. You know, like you were saying with language and gesture, we can help them think about those things through how their bodies feel, you know? And so we, so there they get to experience memories of these kinds of occasions as opposed to being told how to feel, mm-hmm. or you know, passing a situation on them. I think that's really lovely. I think there's a lot in there yeah, <laughs> and a lot around your language and gesture <laughs> as well. A lot. Yeah. I think, I think this, the, this is called The Hug
1: Project. Mm. It's still a work entitled too. I think this was the first project that I was like, oh, I will probably never get an answer from creating mm. this project, but I can, like, it's more of an offering than mm. something, than like my perspective, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's, my collaborators for this is also, like I have my Chinese, friend Shinwe also on, somehow on this project. And so I really want to create people from different ethnic groups and different um, cultures in this because yes, from my persp- uh, experience, it's between my Japanese heritage and the US, but it's not just that. I think what happened historically and what the wounds that people still carry is all around the world. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it. I don't really know how this Piece is going to pan out but I'm hoping that it's it just opens conversations into how we heal as
0: as as a community and what we're healing you know like why we need to heal mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like the the situations that require us to think about healing which means drawing our attention to to the trauma like in, in a sense I think for me the interesting thing is it's kind of around this we start from what we know, or we can only really start from our perspective, right? That's, Mm -hmm. that's the, that's, and I don't want to say safe, but that's the way that we can stay authentic and, and true to the project that we're working on with the hope and with the anticipation that it will reach out to people and will expand because other people will find other reasons for engaging in it. So um, I think that's what this offers. I think that's what, because in a hug as well, just in a hug. A hug is kind there's a, yeah, there's a resolve, right? When mm-hmm. somebody hugs you, you don't need to know the reasons why the hug is important, but the hug itself is a kind of, gives you a kind of resolve or a kind of closure, a, a temporary split second closure. Like it's a full act. It's a full embodied act. And I think that's, um, I think that's a, a beautiful thing to um, research and pursue.
1: No, oh, think you. Yeah, thank on you so all scales.
0: Yeah, wonderful. Great. Um, so I look forward to hearing more about that, maybe toward the end of 2023, maybe into 2024, who knows. Yeah. But <laughs> but for this, I'd just like to say thank you so much for talking with me as uh, just a reminder that you're, you will be having a showing at the Dance Centre in at the end of March of 2023. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, we're, we're actually talking in 2022 but oh my uh, god don't, don't tell anyone I know time is just flowing by like a river yeah so there will be information on the dance center uh, website obviously yeah and uh, thank you so much for talking with me today it was a real pleasure oh thank you thank you for having me uh, oh, pleasure I look forward to seeing your work uh, uh, later in 2023 oh thank you so much bye bye, bye. Thank you so much for listening. We would love for you to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts, as this will help other listeners find us and help us to grow our dance audience. We'll be back next month. In the meantime, you can follow us on Facebook at The Dance Center, Twitter at Dance Center, and Instagram at The Dance Center BC. And if you'd like to support our work, please consider making a donation just go to our website at thedancecenter.ca where you'll find extensive information about our upcoming programs and events. The music for the Dance Center podcast was composed by James B. Maxwell. Always a pleasure to connect with you through dance. Until next time.